Today, uh, we are wrapping up our series, Following Jesus with Your Money. And if you are with us today for the very first time, and if at some point in this message you start to feel like, okay, I think I missed a couple things, it's okay, you just missed a couple things. But the good news is you can always go to our website, or even better, to our YouTube channel. You can catch up on all the parts of this series that you've missed, and any other series that you may may perhaps be interested in. Now, throughout this series, we've said um, how easy it is for all of us, right, to end up getting lost or or feeling lost when it comes to our money. That that feeling lost with money um, is really just means that there's a lot of mystery, right, because at the end of the month, it seems like there should be more. It it seems like I should have more. Um, You you wonder why do we always fight whenever we talk about money? Why are we always fighting? Um, Why is that? You know, are we ever going to have enough for retirement? Are we ever going to be able to put our kids through college? Like, why are we so um, discontent with what we have, right? We ha- I have, we, I make more money than my parents made. We have more stuff than my parents ever had, yet we're still discontent. Like, what's, what's with that? There's a lot of mystery with, with, with your money. We said it's so easy, right? It's so easy for any of us to get lost and, and to feel lost. In fact, um, we discovered in the series, that's why Jesus said more about money than any other subject in the Bible. And and so consequently, for those of us who follow Jesus, we've recognized that we'll never be fully devoted followers of Jesus until we actually surrender how it is that we use and how it is that we handle our money to him. Not because Jesus wants our money, but because Jesus understands that our, our hearts and our money are linked, right? And what your heavenly father, what Jesus tells us over and over again, what your heavenly father is most interested in is your heart. And so today, as we wrap up our series together, I'm going to give you a a simple plan, um, just a a very simple, a very different um, plan, perhaps, than than what you're currently doing with your money. And if you have not been with us for the series, if you're watching online right now, all the tools that we've handed out, every week I've given you a new tool, you're going to get your last new tool this week. All those tools are here online. If you're watching online, you can download them here. Um, those of you who are here, you can get them online or share them as well. Um, there's some Excel spreadsheets there that you, you might want to make use of in addition. Um, now, we also have two more additional sets of tools that I want to make sure that all of you know about. Starting this Wednesday, Wednesday night, November the 2nd, and then for the next three Wednesdays, the 2nd through the 16th, we're going to be doing a three-week practicum on Wednesday nights at 6.30, following Jesus with your money. Jeff Lido, who is a certified financial planner and advisor, he is donating his time. There's not going to be anything sold. Jeff is going to do this for uh, three weeks. Autumn and Eric are going to partner with him during those three weeks. And he's going to take a lot of the theology stuff that we've been talking about together in this room, and he's going to help you to apply that practically in your finances and come in with a plan for your finances. He's going to talk to you about how to teach your your kids to think about and to plan and to to even begin to learn these things as children as it relates to finances. In addition to this, so this happens for three weeks on Wednesdays. Everybody is invited. The class starts at 6.30. Dinner starts at 5.15. If you want to join us for dinner, we'd love to have you for dinner also. Um, In addition to this, this week, you may have already received in your email box the latest episode of our our, our podcast. I'm glad I heard that. Um, 
Jeff and Dave have about a 20-minute discussion um, talking about the significance of, of, of planning for your future financially. And so that's come out if you want to listen to this and kind of maybe get an overview. So I want to make sure that you know about all these things that are out there. We really want to help you um, to get from being lost in, in your money to knowing where you are and getting to where it is that you want to be. And so today, um, today we're going to give you, I'm going to give you a very, very different way to think about the whole aspect of finances and money. And, and this is going to kind of bookend um, everything that we've talked about together in this series because um, essentially, there's really only five things that you can actually do with your money. doesn't matter how much money you have. There's basically only five things that you can do with your money. The first thing is the one that we're all best at, right? You can spend it, right? You can do that with your money. The second thing that you can do is you can repay debt, right? Depending on what you chose to not afford up here, right? You can pay for it down here, right? The third thing that you can do with your money is you can pay taxes. Hopefully you're staying current on this. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to get up Uncle Sam upset with them uh, about this one. Uh, and then the next thing you can do with your money is you can, you can save some. And if there's any left over after that, then you can also give some. Right? Th this is basically the five things. There's some subcategories, I get it. But these are basically the five things that you can do with your money. And what's interesting is that for most Americans, this is actually the priority in which we do them. Right? This is our priority when it comes to money. And so what that means is that priority number one right, is I spend it. Priority number two is I, I hopefully pay for the things that I couldn't afford. Um, priority number three is America. Right? That's what this is right here, America. And if, and if there's any left over, then I'll save some. And if there's any left over after that, th then I'll, I'll give some to the people of my church or perhaps um, the, the people in my community. Right? This is, so basically, when it comes to money, our priorities kind of shake down like this. Me, me, America, which is kind of we, me, and then God and everybody else. Now, let me review that with you because that's a little bit shocking, right, at first. Here's our priorities. Me, me, we, me, God, and others, right? Now, if you're a Jesus follower, right, if you're a Jesus follower, and again, that's our entire context and perspective as we're talking about money in this series. If you're a follower with Jesus, right, you kind of understand maybe what some of the problem with this is but even if you're not a follower of Jesus right even if you're not a Christian um, th this still means that, that basically right God and others get um, the, the leftovers right if I haven't spent it all if I don't have to repay it all if the government doesn't take it all right if there's any leftover after that maybe I'll save some for myself and if there's any leftover after that then maybe possibly Right, then possibly I, I will give some of my leftover to God and, and to others. Right? Now the fact, it gets worse. The fact that for most of us, um, that this is our priority when it comes to, to money. Right? That, think about this, that in no way, right, in, in no way prevents any of us from asking God to actually get involved in our finances. Right? Now, now think about this. Right? Okay, um, okay God, help me. Right? God, I need more money. God, I got to send my kids to college. God, I need a scholarship. God, I got to repair my car. God, God I, have to, I have to pay for college. Right? God, I have to pay for my house. God, I, I need help. Right? I need help. I, I need you to intervene. I need you to help me with my finances. Would you please get involved in my money? To which 
I'm thinking, okay, and I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know what God thinks about this kind of stuff, so I am just making this part up. But um, I got to believe if God sees this, right, it's kind of like, okay, well, help, help you, help you get, get involved with what? Well, you know, me, me, um, me, and then maybe if there's any left over, you, right? H- help me, bless me, give me. Me, me, me. You, I want you involved, but God, you need to know you are, right, you are number five on the list. Now, throughout this series, a whole bunch of you, um, and this happens a lot um, during certain topics, right? So a lot of you during this series have stopped me in the halls, um, Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, other days of the week. A lot of you have emailed me, um, left me voicemails on, on my phone, which I never returned, so I'm so sorry for that. Um, but you have contacted me and you told me stories, right? Stories about how this subject has impacted you. And I've told, I, I've told Autumn this before. That I, so many times I wish I could just put everybody who, who contacts me or leaves me a message or tells me a story, like, into a room at the same time, right? So that, so that you could actually hear the stories of God working that I get to hear. Because all these stories for this series, they kind of all ended up um, in, in the same two big buckets. The first are all those people who, who are telling me how, how they need God to, to intervene in the course of their finances while they're in the midst of some very, very difficult, some very, very dire circumstances. And then the second bucket of people are all those people who, who have said, you know, basically in not so many words, um, listen, Joe, I can't explain it. And I know this doesn't make sense, but I'm telling you, when, when we began to reprioritize, when we began to reorder our finances, um, when, we, when, when we finally said, okay, uh, I don't want to honor God with a percentage. I want to honor God with everything I have. God, I want to use my money so that all of it is honoring to you. Right? I, I can't explain it. It doesn't make sense, but I'm telling you, we had more money. We spent less money. We, we were more, we've been more generous than we've ever been able to, to be in our lives. And we actually have peace. We, we actually have peace. We don't argue about money the way that we used to argue about money. And so today, what I want us to do as we wrap up is I want us to look at two sections of Scripture um, that speak directly to, to this idea that the way that we order and prioritize our, our finances and our money, that that either represents an open door or a closed door to our Heavenly Father. And so I want to argue as best as I possibly can um, that if you will begin to reorder your finances um, and, and change the, the way, very systematically, that you order and prioritize your money, the way that you manage your money, that, that you will be extending an invitation to your Heavenly Father to get very actively involved in your financial life. Now, we're going to look at two sections of Scripture today. Um, The first is out of the Old Testament. In fact, this is from a prophet by the name of Malachi. Um, Now, Malachi gets very little airplay, so you may not be very familiar with the, the book of Malachi. Malachi was the last prophet in the Old Testament, and Malachi lived about 400 years Um, before Jesus. And and so um, Malachi lives at a period of time um, where the Jewish people and the Jewish nation are still very much tied into the sacrificial system, right? Which meant that the Jewish people knew that that they were expected, they had a relationship with God, so this wasn't a surprise. They were expected to bring periodically the best of their animals, the best of their produce, the best of their olive oil, that they were expected to bring that to God and offer a percentage of that to God 
first, right, before they did anything else. And, and so um, Malachi says to the, the nation of Israel, uh, he, he looks at them and he says, listen, okay, you're giving, right, you're giving, that's true, but your priorities are all messed up, right? You're giving God your leftovers, Malachi says. In fact, at one point, he actually gets graphic and, and he says, okay, you're giving God animals that you wouldn't dare, you, you wouldn't dare eat yourself. You're offering those to God. He, he says, you're, you're offering things to God that you wouldn't dream of offering to a guest who actually came in into your home. And so Malachi says to the people of Israel, okay, you're, you're, you're giving, right? You're, you're giving, but the way that you're giving, God isn't honored by that. These are people who are giving, but their priorities were upside down. And so God says to the people through Malachi, he says, listen, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and you have not kept them. Right? And God continues and says this. He says, return to me and I will return to you. Now, this does not mean that God wasn't present. It, was, it doesn't mean that God was not omniscient. It doesn't mean that God didn't know what was going on or what was happening. Um, but Malachi is saying, okay, in some kind of a, a, a relational way, a tangible way, some kind of a, a physical way, um, God is saying to the people of Israel, listen, I would love to move in your direction, but I'm actually waiting for you to move in mine first. Right? And remember, this is the nation of Israel. Right? These are not people who did not know God. These are not people who are trying to find God. These are not people who, who don't understand who God is. Um, these are people who God has already revealed himself to. God has already proven himself to these people. We, we've talked about this before. These are people that God already had a relationship with. Right? You give rules to your kids. I give rules to my kids. God gave rules to his kids. And so now God is saying what every single one of us who have ever had a relationship, what all of us know, which is a, a relationship, it has to be two ways, right? That a relationship always requires priority. But the people re respond to God and they say to God, okay, but, but God, like how? Like how do you want us to return to you? Like how, what, what does that even look like? And then it seems as though God changes the subject on the conversation, but he doesn't because he says this. Um, he says in verse 8, well, let me ask you a question. Will a mere mortal, will a human being, will they rob God? Yet you rob me. And to which the Israelites ask the question, like, okay, God, what, what do you mean? How in the world, like, how are we robbing you? And God gets very specific. He says, listen. You're robbing me in tithes and offerings. Now, many of you know um, that this word here, tithe, this is a very specific word, and it means 10% from the gross. That's what it means, 10% off the top, right? This is a very specific term. We use this interchangeably, but this is actually in Jewish context, it is a very specific number, 10%. What you may not know is at this point in history, again, about 400 B.C., at this point in history, Jewish people, people in the nation of Israel, were actually required, this was not optional, they were actually required to give two tithes, each of them 
equal to 10% of the gross of whatever amount of money that, that, that we're talking about, whatever that is. And so, um, and so what, what would happen is that this first tithe that was collected, um, that would be you know, collected periodically. People would take either money from the food they sold or, or their part of their harvest. And at, at the end of the harvest season or each month, that they would take a tithe. They would take 10% of that. They, they would bring that to the temple. And then that was used to, to pay for the temple, the, the things that happened in the temple. And a, and a portion of that was then actually also used to take care of the poor people in the community. But then there was a second 10%. So right, imagine doing this. Um, once a year, all the second 10% was all gathered up. It was saved up. And all that money was taken. And then it was used to put on a giant national party. Right? Imagine that. You would save up all year long, 10% of whatever your gross is, and you invested that second 10% into this national party that celebrated God, right? And if that wasn't complicated enough, every third year, right, the second 10%, people would take that money, and instead of having a party with that money, they would take that money, and they would give that money away to the poor in the community as well. Right? So the first 10% went to the, went to the temple to support the temple, the people who worked in the temple, and then the poor in the community. And then the second 10% went to a national party or to this as additional means to, of support to poor people. And again, this communities were much smaller than ours are today, so this wasn't nearly as complicated for them as it is um, for us. But essentially, the Israelites knew. Right? They, they knew that this was the, the, the expectation. They, they knew that God, they, God had told them to do this. And so God says, okay, listen, you are giving, right? That's true, but stop robbing me, right? You're not giving the way I've actually invited you to give. Giving is no longer your priority. And so then God says this, listen, he says, talking to Israel, he says you, right? Not us, right? He says you, talking to Israel, you are under a curse, right? Your whole nation, your whole nation because you are robbing me, right? Now again, this is all based on the fact that God had a very, very specific relationship with Israel that was established at the time of Moses, and the relationship basically went like this. God said to the people, okay, you honor me, and I'll honor you, right? You honor me, and I'll give you victory over your enemies, Right? You honor me and I will keep your nation safe. You honor me and your crops will grow larger and more bountiful than every, everybody else's. Right? You honor me and the entire rest of the world is going to say, wow, who in the world is that God? Because only a real God could actually do all those things. But see, at this point in their history, Israel had kind of drifted away from this idea of honoring God. Because God was no longer their priority. And so God gives Israel a command and he says this. He says, bring the whole tithe, right? Bring the whole, not your leftovers, right? Not, not your unwanted animals, right? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, right? Now notice, right, notice the priority in this. First the priority, then the promise. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, right, meaning the temple, right? Test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Now, this is kind of tricky, right? Because test me here, this is not like when Jesus said, do not tempt the Lord your God, 
right? To tempt the Lord your God is like, okay, you come up with a plan, and then you're going to try to get God to, to do whatever your cool plan is, right? That's what Jesus means by, by tempt the Lord your God. Test me is different, right? T- test me is, is different because, again, um, God had already made a promise to Israel, right? He already told them that he was going to do this. And so basically, um, God is saying to Israel, test me, right? Try me, test me, try me. I dare you. Right, that's what he's saying. I, I dare you. I, I double dog, double sheep, double camel, right, whatever they did. I double dare you, right, to take me up on my offer. Right, that's what God I- is saying. I, w, I dare you to take me up on my promise by making me first. And then watch and see what I'll do. Because by prioritizing me in this way, God is saying, that is recognition that I've actually got your heart. Now, for us, when we hear this, right, we immediately go back to that place of, okay, no, somebody just wants my money. I can see right through this all. This is just, just God just wants my money, right? That's where the cynical side of us goes. But what God is saying to Israel, what Jesus is going to say to us, as we're going to see in just a minute, this has nothing to do with your money. This has everything to do with your heart. This is about your devotion, right? And see, God knows you and God knows Me and God knows this. God knows that he, when he is number one in our finances, then he is truly number one in our life. Because our hearts always, our hearts always follow our money. You want to know what I love? Just look at my copy of Quicken. It will tell you what I love. You want to know what I'm concerned about? Look at my copy of Quicken. It will tell you exactly what it is that I'm concerned about. And so God says to the nation of Israel, listen, I I want you to move in my direction. How do we do that? I want you to make me first. Put me first financially, right? It's not about money. It's all about priority. God says, I do not want to be number five on your list, right? So test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Right? Test me. Put me first. Right? Move in my direction and watch and see what I will do. Now, this was a promise to the nation of Israel. This is not a promise to the United States of America. This is not a direct promise to to you or to me. This is, however, a principle that shows up all throughout the scriptures, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, which is that in any area of life where we put God first, and especially when it costs us, our Heavenly Father actually sees that as an open door as an invitation to get involved in our life. Many of you have experienced this in in a different context, in your marriage, with your kids, in a dating relationship. And and you've gotten frustrated because they're exasperated. You know, she's mad, he's mad. All you do is bicker, all you do is fight. And so you kind of threw up your arms and and at some point you said, okay, you know, God, help me. Right, and God, I'll do whatever it is that you want me to do. I'm done, I'm turning this over to you. God, I'm gonna do it your way. And you would say that at some point after that, it felt like, it seemed like God moved in your direction. 
right? It's not about, this is not about money. It's about heart. It's about priority. It's about throwing open the door to God or closing the door on God. And as you read the New Testament, right, nothing, nothing could be more obvious of the fact that God actually wants to move in your direction, right? This is why he sent Jesus first, right? He took care of our eternity first. And so now the question is, for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, are we going to make him a priority in the meantime? And see, the preeminent area that tells, us, tells more about us and our hearts and our devotion and, and what we, where our attention is, where our heart is, the preeminent area that tells more about us than any other area is our finances because money is always a proxy. Think about this. It is always a proxy for our trust and money is always a proxy for our faith. Listen to how Jesus explains this. We, we've looked at this, um, we looked at a section of this a little bit earlier, a few weeks ago. But I want you to hear the same section of scripture again, um, now with the idea of priority in mind and in the context of what it is that Malachi said to the people of Israel hundreds and hundreds of years before, um, before Jesus ever showed up. This is Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, no one, remember this, no one can serve two masters. Right? In other words, th th there is always, there's always only one number one. Right? Either you're going to hate the one and you're going to love the other, or you're going to be devoted to the one and you're going to despise the other. He makes it even more specific. Right? You cannot serve both God and money. Right? And, and, and practically speaking, right, if you can just think about this for a minute honestly, isn't this how it feels sometimes? I mean, isn't this where we get stuck sometimes? We, we want to serve God, right? We, we, we want um, to, to be involved, right? We, we want to be connected, right? We, we want to have that, that closeness emotionally to our Heavenly Father and, and to uh, our Savior, right? We want God to be first, so we pray, we read our Bibles, maybe you even set aside time to, to listen to worship or, or, or to worship, but still like there's this nagging sense where it feels like God is just number five. And see, Jesus is saying the reason it feels that way is because there is a conflict, right? There is a conflict. And for me to be Lord of your life, for me to be Savior in your life, you've got to make me number one. Not just in your prayer life. Right, that's easy. Come on. Who of us are tempted to pray to anyone but Jesus? Right, that's easy. Not with your time, right? That's less easy, but it's still not the issue, right? Th this is all about trust. And money is always a proxy for trust. And so Jesus says, right, don't worry. Right, don't worry. What shall we eat? Or let's make it more specific. What shall me eat? Right? Because that's the real issue, isn't it? What shall me eat? What shall me drink? What shall me wear? Right? That's where we live, isn't it? And so Jesus says, listen, 
I get it, but think about it. You're so worried about this stuff that you put this stuff at the top of your list and you put me at the bottom of your list. But don't you realize the people who don't even know me, the people who aren't even connected to me, the people who have no relationship with me, right? The, the pagans, Jesus says, the pagans. Now, this is not a derogatory statement. It literally just means people with no relationship to God. That's all it means. Jesus says the pagans, the people who don't know God, they run after all these things, meaning they have that same priority list. But listen, your heavenly father, like notice how he chooses to respond to God here and refer to God. But your heavenly father, right, the one who has a relationship with you, who knows you, who knows your heart, your heavenly father, he knows. Right, he knows that you need them. And then Jesus says something that you have heard a thousand times, but maybe you did not realize this very familiar verse comes in the context, a discussion about priority and money. Jesus says this. He says, but seek first my kingdom, right, and my righteousness. Now, listen, this is not me making you a promise. This is Jesus making you a promise, but seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these other things, right? All the other stuff on our list, right? All these things, Jesus is saying, seek my kingdom first and all of this I'm going to take care of. In other words, Jesus says, okay, listen, here's what I want you to do. This is what it means to follow me. I want you to take your lips and I want you to flip this upside down. I want you to put me and others first. I want you to seek me first. Then I want you to save for your kingdom second. Right? And I want you to do all these other things after that. Now, here's the fascinating thing about this. If you really stop and think about this for a minute, don't miss this. Because we are blessed to live in the world and in the part of the world that we live in. Listen, if you actually do this, right? If you actually do this and you do this well, and you do this and you do this well, this goes down doesn't it? This goes, those, these things go away. You do this properly, you do this the way that Jesus is suggesting, and these things actually go down. You, you do this the opposite, the way that we are naturally doing it, where we're doing this first. This goes up and up and up, and so does this. And that's why there's never any money for this, and there's even less money for this. Right? This is huge. And, and so, li listen, this is not about you getting rich, right? Because the good news is most of you already are rich. You're already eating and living indoors, right? So you're rich. You, don't, you may not feel it, but you are rich. You are not wondering if you're going to eat after church today. You're thinking about where, right? Where am I going to eat after church today? This, this prioritization, right? This prioritization reflects who and whose we are as followers, as disciples, as apprentices of Jesus. And see, this is why, again, you always hear me saying this. I want you to focus on these three things, right? I want you to focus on give. I want you to focus on save. And I want you to focus on living on the rest. When you get paid, you give to God's kingdom first. You are rich towards God first. Right? You pick a percentage and you do this first. And then you take a percentage and you save that for your kingdom. Right? You invest in your kingdom second. And then you live on whatever is left over. 
right? You give, you save, then you live uh, on the rest. Rich people, poor people, all the people in between the rich people and the poor people, right? This is the key to financial success. This is the key to financial peace. Does not matter how much or how little money you have. This is the key to actually experiencing contentment when it comes to, to your money. And I'm telling you, this is not a ploy. This is not leverage. This is not me trying to get more money for the church. If you think that's all this is, I'm taking away your number one excuse. Don't give it here. If that's what you think this is about, don't give it here. Next week we start our four campaign. Give it to them. Give it to them. Give it to some amazing organizations that we're going to be able to talk about and we're going to be able to celebrate and we're going to be able to bless financially together over the course of the next several weeks. If you think, if you can't trust me, if you don't like me, whatever the issue is, I'm calling your bluff. If that's the excuse, don't give it here. Right? Don't give it here. But I'm telling you, okay, I, I double sheep dare you. Listen, take God up on his offer and make giving your first priority because when you do, at some point in your future, you will come back and you will say, I can't explain it, Joe, I can't put it on paper, but I'm telling you, when I made God's kingdom my first priority in my income, something changed in my family, something changed in my heart, something is different. Now, here's the next key. In order to, to think this way, in order to do give, save, and live, you have got to learn to focus on percentages and not dollars, right? You've got to actually pick a percentage that you're going to do. The, the dollars don't matter. You read the scripture, God is not interested with, he, he's not impressed by dollars anywhere in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. God is focused on percentages, right? So when you pick a percentage to give and you're given this first, you pick a percentage that you can feel, Pick a percentage that you notice. Don't do this whole, I'm going to give 2% thing. What, what is that? Right? What is that? 2%? You don't even notice that. That's Starbucks once a week, right? You don't even notice that, right? Pick a percent that you can actually feel. Why? Because when you feel it and you notice it, you are reminding yourself that there is a you above you that you are accountable to. Right? So you pick a percentage here, you pick a percentage here, and then whatever is left, right, that's what you live on. Right? I'm telling you, learning to do this, and I get it, this is not easy. It's not simple, you can't just do this instantaneously. We're going to talk about that in a minute. This is the key to discovering and to experiencing true financial peace in your life and in your family's life. What would it look like? What needs to happen for you? For you and your significant other, you and your spouse, to have a conversation this week and talk about this. Now, in fact, here's my question. And it's not really a question, it's more of a challenge. I want you to go home this week. And if you're married, do this with your spouse. If you have a financial significant other, I want you to do this with them. Or I want you to do it with yourself. Open up Quicken, whatever tool you use to track your income, and ask the question and to say, okay, what would we need to do? Back it up, please. What would we need to do to actually make give, save, live a reality in our life? Okay? And here's what's going to happen for, for some of you. You're going to open this up, and if you try to do this, you are going to come to the terrifying conclusion that you cannot keep up with the lifestyle you are currently living. You are, you are going to realize that if you actually do this, and you put a percentage out there for God's kingdom first, you're going to have to back off on your lifestyle. 
right? And that's going to be a hard realization. And you know what? It's the best thing in the world. Because for some of you, your lifestyle is killing you. It is killing you. It's killing your relationship. You got piles of unopened Amazon boxes stuck in closets in different parts of your house. You got stuff going, you don't even remember buying. You're like, why do I even have this, right? You got Carlton sheet stuff laying around. You got all kinds of craziness laying around, right? And you're like, why do we even have all this stuff? The best thing in the world is, is to realize we can't, we can't make this the priority, right? Have the conversation, what do you need to do? What needs to change? in the way that you think about and the way that you prioritize money. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this, when you do this, right, when you do this, when you figure out and you go through the hard work of, of figuring out what it means to give and then save and then live on the rest, okay, you will have a richer life. Not because you're going to be richer necessarily. That's not what I'm saying. But because you will have figured out and you will actually be doing what it looks like and what it means to follow Jesus first, to put Jesus first in the most difficult area of life in order to make Jesus first in. And you will understand what it means to follow Jesus with your whole life, including your money. So today, as we wrap up on your way out, our host team will have one final tool for you. And of course, we do have some questions as we surprised you with a moment ago. These questions, however, are different. These are not for group conversation. These questions are for you if you are not married. They are for you and your spouse if you are married. And they are for you and your significant other if you are hoping to be or about to be married someday in the not too distant future. What's the benefit? of intentionally choosing a percentage of your income to live off? And then do you think that the percentage that you choose to give, save, live, do you think that really matters? Why? And then lastly, what is your biggest challenge? What is your biggest objection that's preventing you from setting aside a portion of your income and actually practicing what it means to give and to save and to live? And be honest. Okay, be honest. Be honest with yourself with this one. Be honest with your spouse with this one. You're never going to make this happen if you can't be honest about what is it that is holding you back and what do you need to do to get there. Let me pray for you today. Father, all of us, it does not take long for us at all, especially in this room, uh, especially those of us who are watching today, uh, because we have the ability to watch today. It, it does not take any length of time at all to think about all the different ways that you put us first. Not the least of which, Jesus, not the least of which, is that when you chose to go to a cross that we deserved. And so, Father, I, I pray that for all of us, that you would use this time we've spent in this past series maybe to, to expose something going on in our hearts, maybe something that we've, we've just constantly thought about but we never knew how to talk about. Holy Spirit, I, I pray that for all of us, that you would give us whatever faith, whatever courage, whatever encouragement we need 
to have these difficult conversations. And to be honest, if this makes us anxious, why? If it makes us angry, why? If it makes us frustrated or fearful, Holy Spirit, you actually know all that already, so all we're doing is admitting it to ourselves. And so I just ask that you would reveal um, what it is, whatever it is that, that money is, is acting as a proxy for, for us. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd give us the faith and the courage to do whatever it is you're going to call us to do. And Heavenly Father, most of all, I want to thank you ahead of time for always choosing to put us first, for always pursuing us, for always loving us, and for always, always, always giving us the faith we need to believe that you really are who you say you are. We pray all of this in Jesus' name.